0: Welcome to Answer the Call with Kelsey Kemp. I am your host, Kelsey Kemp. Oh my gosh, I know, shocker. (laughs) I'm an ex-emerging tech consultant turned career coach, podcaster, and speaker, helping Christians discern their unique calling and create a career that's aligned with it so you could be as faithful and as impactful as possible with the decades of work ahead. (laughs) Here at Answer the Call, we gather around a new topic each Tuesday to help you gain clarity and confidence on what you're specifically called to do with your career and smart strategies to get you there. This week, you'll be hearing from my friend Megan Stone as we dive into a topic that grips so many of us with fear of self-sabotage and ruining our opportunities for career advancement. We're talking about how quitting and job hopping isn't always a bad thing. Shocker, I know, it has quite the connotation for being uh, a risky thing to do with your career, quitting maybe before a few years uh, at that company. But we're going to be talking about how it isn't always a bad thing and exactly how you can handle it strategically so you not only avoid looking like a flake to future employers, but even go a step further to actually see the potential for using Quitting Fast to your advantage. You might be thinking, what? (laughs) I thought I would ruin my reputation if I quit any job before at least two years at that company. Nope by the end of this episode, you'll see how that is not always true. Case in point, Megan Stone. Our guest for this episode is a development operations manager at a large education nonprofit here in Austin. She genuinely loves her job and has been on the fast track with multiple early promotions as she excels in what she does. How did she get to this point in her career Now in charge of hiring and managing a team and strategically contributing to meaningful initiatives in her company before she even turned 26, she did a lot of things right. And one of those is leaving her first two jobs before the year mark was up, which honestly, seems like a pretty startling faux pas, since that has kind of a negative connotation to it. But she did it with a ton of integrity and thoughtfulness that you'll hear her explain in this episode. And she used each career pivot to make a better choice the next time. And also she made sure that she packed a punch with the time she spent in those first jobs to show that she was an asset to those companies as she would be an asset to any future company that she worked for. So in this interview, you'll hear Megan share how to confidently know when it's time to quit, because that can be something that's kind of scary. Like, how do I know when I know? I don't know. Should I just uh, suck it up and stay? Or is it really time to leave? You will get clarity on that in this episode. Another thing she covers is how career pivots can be done with a heart of service and a sincere desire to serve a company with our best efforts and care, not just quit because you know of selfishness and because I'm gonna go seek my unicorn job that fulfills all my desires. I, I really love the case that she makes in this that we could use leaving with the intention to really find a place where we are meant to contribute with our best efforts. Um, and not just kind of string a company company along and not to say she did this but you know it can be said that sometimes we can just if you don't make a decision a tough decision to leave you could just be keeping a seat warm in an office where you're fairly ineffective in your job um, and you're not really meant to be there you're not the best person for that, like you are going to be awesome at something else. Just go find that thing. And that can be something that's, um, done with a heart of integrity and service, not just selfishness. Um, and a big one, here's a big point that we cover (laughs) in this episode. That's so helpful. We will talk about exactly how to communicate yourself as a competitive candidate for future jobs even if your resume has a few short job stints on it. We go into detail for how to address this both on your resume, so you don't just get thrown out, Um, of the applicant pile whenever you're going for new jobs and also how you could address this in interviews once you write that awesome resume and get a chance to explain um, if questions come up of why you left those jobs and what you're looking for in the future. I think that Megan just has such a masterful approach to this that has clearly served her so well in her career and we have a lot to learn from this. And finally, another point that we make is how to make better choices with every job change you make. So you could get yourself closer to finding a job where you finally feel like, wow, this is it. (laughs) And you could attack your workload with genuine excitement and passion and with the full force of all that you've got to give. And I am just going to say it like it is. I really think this episode has the potential to tangibly impact the lives of those who listen. I mean, can you imagine saving yourself potentially years in the process of finding a job you love and are called to? So much of the time, I know I felt this. <laughs> we feel like we have to force ourselves into social conventions and inv- invisible rules that try to force us to settle. While neither Megan nor I, I want to be clear, advocate quitting on a whim or with selfish ambition and a lack of care for the company you leave behind, there is more to the story than the advice I always heard, which is you have to stay at your first job at least three to five years. Don't even take vacation. You got to focus and put your head down and prove yourself. And then later you're allowed to start thinking about what you want to do. That's not it. That is such an incomplete piece of advice. And so in this episode, you'll hear a lot of the rest of the picture. So friends, enjoy, subscribe, tap the stars to leave a rating and write a few words to leave a review, which that has an enormous impact on getting the word out about this show. Um, and screenshot and share on Instagram. Tell people that you're listening to answer the call. You could tag me at Kelsey underscore the called career. The link to my Instagram profile is also in the show notes for this episode and spread the word. Uh, Okay, well, here we go. Enjoy this interview with Megan Stone. This is one of those pleasures where I get to actually be in the room with a friend instead of just talking over Zoom. So this is extra exciting. Megan, um, I... Yeah. have been especially excited to ask you to come on the show. How pretentious do I sound right now? <laughs> 10 out of 10. We're rolling with it. I've asked you to come on this show because <laughs> I think that you have such a unique perspective in this thing that we fear. What do we do when we don't like a job and we know pretty like soon right off the bat, how long do you stick it out? If I leave before this, I don't know, generic two to three year mark, some people would say more. What happens? Do do I kind of hurt my career? How do I explain myself? See, I can go on with all these questions and fears that we have forever. (laughs) And so I am so excited to hear what you have to say, because I think that you've handled this so well in your career. You have stuck to your values and left for good reasons and done that well and not hindered your career. Actually, you've left fairly quickly in certain like jobs, but then you've excelled very quickly in the job you're at now. So we'll get into all of that, but that was just a teaser for the treat that the listeners have in this episode. But I've been talking a while. Can you just give a little overview of who you are? Like, what you doing?
1: So I am Megan Stone. I live in Austin, and Mm. I consider myself an Austinite now because my husband and I just bought a house. I feel like Austin is nothing like New York, but in one way it is like New York in that no one who lives here is actually... From here, except for like True. a very small percent of people, mm-hmm. and so now I feel like because I pay property taxes, um, and I'm legit. tree of on this city, in this zip code, I can call myself an Austinite. So I do now very proudly.
0: For that, I am so jealous. <laughs> this is the best house. I love it.
1: Um, so, yep. I we live in Austin. My husband is a senior data engineer here in Austin for a tech company, and I. Work for a fairly large education nonprofit that has a headquarters here in Austin, but um, not not originally based here. So I travel as well. But <laughs> yes, it's you a busy
0: lady. Yeah. You excel in within this company. <laughs>
1: Southwest loves me. So. Oh yeah,
0: <laughs> I think Southwest loves everyone. I think that's what makes them a great airline. Yep. But I'm glad <laughs> that they make you uniquely feel special. <laughs> I'll have you know that they think I'm special, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! I love Southwest. Uh, but okay, let's let's like take it back to the college days where we met. Yeah, actually, fun fact. So the last interview I did with Andrew Winker, we all were on that, well, I mentioned in the last episode, Andrew and I met through this uh, semester long project that we were on a small team together. Megan was also on that team, team two, two. (laughs) business (laughs) fellows, let's go. Um, So that's just crazy that, I don't know, back to back interviews with my pals from that time. But anyway, back to to the good group you had. Yeah, exactly. So tell us about college and what you decided to major in and how you decided on that and what you did with it or didn't do with it.
1: Teaser. So, yep. Texas A&M. Love Texas A&M. Best decision I've ever made was to go to that school. And um, it was funny because I am actually married to my high school sweetheart and he just like applied to UT when we were seniors and I was really smart graduated high in my class. Yeah, you and did. As soon as he uh, applied to UT and got accepted, I was like, peace out. I'm going to Texas A&M. What? No one is going to say that I went to school for my boyfriend. So I didn't. Um, but,
0: this you know. is such a foreshadowing <laughs> to we like, <laughs> you are so independent. And like, Ain't nobody telling me. I just followed a boy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah, we went to different schools. Obviously it worked out. He is my husband now. Um, but Went to Texas A and loved the experience. I was in the business school. I chose accounting as my major. Decided my senior year I wasn't going to use that in my career, but at this point in time, I'm still so glad that that is what I majored in. That just the even the basic level of financial experience that I got mm-hmm. helps us personally with personal <laughs> finances, but also I think it it just gives me a different perspective at work. I feel like I am a better business partner to the different departments within my organization Mm -hmm. because I have that understanding because at the end of the day you know an organization doesn't function if Mm -hmm. it's not using its money wisely so I
0: you're a bottom line kind
1: of person (laughs) (laughs) I understand the bottom line so I, I think it's a good perspective to have so yeah I had an accounting degree did not end up sitting for my CPA um and I am Oh, A-okay with that.
0: A-okay. <laughs> you got just what you needed and yep. got out of there. <laughs> uh, so what was that decision like in your senior year, you know, where we're all shuffling around like, oh, what's after college? What do I do? Um, between the decision you made to not pursue accounting, um, and how did you decide what to do instead? Or are going to yeah. live? Just give a, us a picture of that big decision-making year and what guided you in those decisions?
1: Yeah, well, I think it it started my junior year. I started getting like these inklings of, wow, maybe this isn't the type of career I want, but I couldn't say that just yet. So mm-hmm. instead I got an internship, whereas everybody else was going to do internships in accounting. Mm-hmm. I got an internship in a finance department so that I could kind of test the waters in a similar but different area. Mm. And I hated it. Um, at the end of the summer, they offered me a job, and I specifically remember going home and walking in and I was like mom you know I got the offer and she was like that's great baby and I just started sobbing and we just we went out into the pool in my backyard and we sat on pool floats and I cried for like two hours to the point where our neighbors probably thought something was really Uh. wrong (laughs) but they're like
0: what happened I got a job offer
1: and my dad was so confused right he was like she got a job and she's crying what is wrong with this and my mom was like baby it's okay I was like I just don't want it but I I can't say that because I just got this great job offer with this great salary and all these yeah. great benefits and mom, I'd be close to you, like all of these great things. And mm-hmm. I was knew a hundred percent that I was going to say no. Yeah. Um. So we went back to school for senior year and I had to figure out what mm-hmm. was going to replace that job offer. Yeah. And so honestly, consulting was what a lot of people were doing and it yeah. seemed flexible, right? It seemed like I could, Go into a consulting job, work at maybe a handful of different corporations and gain a lot of different experience, which at the time was what I felt I needed because I had no idea what mm. I wanted to do. There was yeah. no one that I could look at an entry-level job and be like, yes, I want to be that person. Like yeah. I could look at, you know, all of the female CEOs across the nation. And yeah. Like, yes, <laughs> I want to be them. Of but course. <laughs> I couldn't see what step number one was to getting there. So yeah. Consulting it was, and Mm -hmm. also consulting came with like this little bit of prestige Uh, that not just a little bit (laughs) that I definitely wanted. I Mm -hmm. you know I wanted something that was respected and upheld the reputation that I had created in college. So Mm -hmm. yeah, consulting it was, and so I went and worked for a smaller consulting firm that I strategically uh, a, air quotes, yeah, as air as quotes you know. <laughs> strategically chose because I felt that going with a smaller firm might give me the work-life balance that mm-hmm. I did not see at some of the larger firms yeah. but still the level of prestige and experience opportunity all those things mixed into one yeah that was not, quite
0: not the, the case, case <laughs> but that is what I thought it's a good idea to run with I think.
1: yeah um yeah, so I I chose that. It was a scary decision because at the time, Dustin, my husband, was mm-hmm. also choosing jobs, and he was in at UT. He was a computer science major, so all of the really awesome tech jobs were in Austin. Mm-hmm. Our families were in Dallas. We didn't. Neither of us really knew what we wanted to do, and we were honest about that. Yeah. So we again chose jobs in separate places because we wanted to make sure that we were setting each other both of us up for success because mm-hmm. we knew we knew in our hearts that if either of us took that risk and didn't take a job that we had maybe like this inkling could be the right one mm-hmm. it would it would cause resentment later and we oh, didn't yeah. want that so we took another year apart um mm-hmm. to go explore and figure out whose job was better turned out Dustin's was. Yeah. So Dustin, yeah. Okay. How many
0: years have y'all been together at that point? Like five or something? Uh, or...
1: Yeah, probably
0: five. <laughs> I, yeah. I remember I... we were all like our friend group was watching you make this decision in college. Like,
1: dang, she <laughs> is a girl boss.
0: Like she is. so Y'all are just actually really, really looking out for her. and protecting the value that you place on having a career that is suitable fulfilling all these things in the long term because you had that much trust in your relationship you yeah. and Dustin um that you could say a year in the long term we could do this and so i think so many people were like dang i could not see myself making that kind of decision with so much faith and patience but in the end we all respected you a lot yeah. for it
1: it wasn't easy. Not, no, not it was at all. Not easy, and there were lots of tears shed. And then within that year, you know, it just it just sucked when yeah. when work is hard and you're also in different places mm-hmm. and you're you're trying to figure out your goals, right? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes the goal is career, but also you have relationship goals yeah. and these things that you're not starting because you're holding off on it. Mm-hmm. But I, ultimately, it was a hundred percent the right decision. Mm-hmm. Um, because we both needed to learn a little bit yeah. and I wouldn't have had that opportunity in Austin at that time. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. You
0: would have had to go into industry, you know, like the big ones like Dell or and you're like, I don't want to work at yeah. these places. I don't want these industry jobs yet. So yeah, we both and many of our peers all went into consulting. Yeah. Um so with that, um Q, you're in your that, your first job, yep. you're trying out the consulting. It is comparing <laughs> your thought and expectations with reality. Yep. And traveling
1: Monday through Saturday sometimes.
0: No. Oh, yeah. You were that. on a crazy, crazy yeah. client. Um. So tell us
1: about when you realized this is not for me. Yeah, I think. So I. I am in a job now where I have HR training um, mm-hmm. and I, I'm i building a team. So I work with our HR department a lot. And I recently had an HR training where they said some statistic that I'm going to butcher, mm-hmm. but it was something about if, if an employee isn't going to stay longer than a year, mm-hmm. that decision is normally made within the first like 30 days. I have those mm-hmm. numbers don't quote me. Don't trust me. No. But the point is that If someone's going to leave, they make that decision really quickly. Mm -hmm. And that has held true for me. And as I look back, I remember my very first day on my very first real big kid job. Mm -hmm. And I went to my onboarding day with all of the other new hires. And I got done with my onboarding day, went back to my hotel because they had Blown me out somewhere else, and I cried. Mm -hmm. And obviously, we're getting we're understanding that I cry a lot.
0: Yeah, (laughs) you cry when you're happy. You cry when you're sad. You cry. That's my emotional
1: response, but it is my response to let me know something's not right. Uh, But the reason why is because I was hearing this person who was doing my onboarding, and she was telling us everything that you know was going to be expected, all of these things, and I was extrapolating already. I could Mm -hmm. see I'm a very futuristic person, and I'm. Seeing the way that her words are implying what my life is gonna look like, and that and it's not what I want, yeah, and it's not what I thought it was going to be. And I was like, dang it, like this Mm -hmm. I already knew, and I all in that moment was already plotting how do I get out of this, and it was day one. Day one, (laughs) so I you know, it you know, I feel like people struggle a lot with the like should I leave mm-hmm. or how will I know if I need to leave I remember asking people that like how yeah. did you know yeah. that it was the right time to go mm-hmm. you know like, I, mm-hmm. I just you're if you're all if you are thinking about your path out you that's your answer mm-hmm. you you've already made your decision you just haven't admitted it to yourself yeah
0: That's the thing, Uh, admitting it to yourself and then giving yourself permission to do something about what you've admitted to yourself.
1: And those are hard. Those are hard. Oh, it's the hardest.
0: Honestly, like with the people I work with in career coaching, like that is the least expected moment. Like they don't think that they actually know what they want to do. They're like, no, I swear. I swear I don't know. And they really do all along. It's just a process of like dismantling all these barriers they have to admit it to themselves. So um, wait, but it sounds like you knew that first day. So how did you make the decision to stay until like when you did? Because you didn't quit second day. No, no, I didn't. (laughs) Thankfully, did not quit second day.
1: No. But I mean, at that point, I had to stick it out. Uh And there was still part of me that was saying, well, Megan, you don't know. Like Mm -hmm. it could, it could be different. There's different opportunities. You know, there's other projects. Maybe she's wrong. This onboarding person (laughs) is telling you all these lies. (laughs) She wasn't, she was really right. Um, but I, I knew I had to stick it out and try Mm -hmm. it and gain experience because Mm -hmm. at that point, even though I already knew it wasn't for me, still didn't know, what was there wasn't another ship I could jump to at that point that yeah. would have been better I did not know so I kept going got on a project that was I was told by many people at the firm was arguably one of their worst projects ever and um I did really well which was annoying because that means they made me stay longer so yeah. I you know they when they rolled off half the team they were like and megan we'd love for you to stay yeah <laughs> Oh, great. Oh, awesome Cry. Yeah. I, thank you for valuing my input. Um, anyways, so at that point I had to think about what was next. And like I said, Dustin and I were trying to figure out where we were gonna be, explore mm-hmm. options, and he was doing really well. He yeah. really liked what he was doing. Um, and so it became really obvious, like, hey, yeah. we should take this time to come back to Austin where Mm. we want to be together. Um, So I started looking for jobs and that meant I stayed up really late. Right. I would work full days and more than full days. Yeah. More than full days on my consulting job. And then I would go home and I was reading and trying to figure out what motivated me. And it was, it was work. It's Mm. work to find a new job, but if you're wanting to, you're willing to stay up till midnight 1am and then wake up at five uh, every day to like get to that next place um but you had to do it correctly Mm -hmm. so I waited until I was wrapping up so I I was interviewing I was applying to places but I wasn't going to just peace out and leave Mm -hmm. um and the timing worked out really well which I think there's a reason for that but Mm -hmm. my client wrapped up I rolled off, and I simultaneously the same week got a job offer. <laughs> had, Providence of God, <laughs> right? I, I had the timing not worked out that perfectly. Uh-huh. I wouldn't have just quit in the middle of client. Mm-hmm. I would have made sure that I was wrapping up, like closing out. Mm-hmm. Um, but.
0: Especially yeah. since they were depending on you, like you, like you said, so many of the other associates or whatever at your level were getting cut, and they're like, "No, you know who we want to spearhead this project, Megan." <laughs> well,
1: the one that I was working on at the end wasn't oh, that yes, one, but yeah. I was here in Austin, which was also a blessing. Yes, um, my I got put on a. Client here in Austin, so Dustin and I were already like trying out Mm -hmm. the being in the same city thing, and we were like, "This is great! Must continue! Must continue! (laughs) Um, Proceed!" Which allowed me to interview here, and then yeah, and then when the client project rolled up, it it was a really easy time to transition because I could say. This is what I contributed. This is what I contributed to this project. This is how I wrapped it up with my team. Mm -hmm. And then this is how I left. Yeah. Making sure that they weren't in a bad position with me leaving.
0: With integrity and care and being a good person. And so, yeah, like the timing is one thing. People could just take the time that you had in that job at face value. Like, what was it? Like, how many months? Nine. Nine months. They could say, oh, just nine months. Or you... I think just wisely beyond just caring for your relationships and not burning bridges and not uh, leaving all your coworkers in a bad place. You also were able to communicate that to future potential employers. Like it's not just about how much or little time I spent at a place. Like I showed that I did a good job whenever I was there and then I left with grace and care.
1: Yeah. And, it, and it's not just about doing a good job too. I think it's actually being able to speak to the deliverables uh, yes. that you helped. Like, I think it is incredibly important to cool. be able to show I did X, Y, Z concretely. Like mm. this is what I contributed mm. in a value or a, whatever it is, it has to be something tangible, mm-hmm. not just my colleagues really enjoyed working with me. Like my oh. managers thought it was great because yeah, they thought you were great until you left. That's I mean,
0: that's how people <laughs> until are see it, them. you know. So, um, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, okay. Well, how did you make your next career decision? And also, like, okay, obviously, you. I, I wanted to dig into like how you made the decision because it wasn't just okay. Well, now I'll just take any job that's in Austin because that would have been defaulting to the decision, um, framework that most people would have used in college. Like you, most people I think would have been like, well, my significant other is in this city. So I'm just going to take any job I could get in the city. Right. You still applied that same, no, I'm going to be intentional about this just with the added, no, but this time it really has to be in Austin.
1: Yeah. So it was hard because at that time I was still struggling with that piece for me. From junior year of like, yeah, I'm still in this financial realm, um, because that's what I was primarily focusing on in consulting, mm-hmm. even though it wasn't, like, hard accounting, it was still accounting in general, finance in general, um, and so as I was looking for jobs in Austin, I was trying to figure out, am I going to stick with this businessy thing that I have, this track that I've been on, or am I going to jump to something else which had been continuously piquing my interest right like I've been pulling up articles I've been looking into master's programs in education I've been you know like reading different books about education and all all of these things that just like really get me fired up in a probably angry way
0: it's not always bad yeah um one can be angry about injustices and things that need to be
1: fixed I couldn't quite let it my business track go yet, though. Uh-huh. Um, I I wasn't there yet. I couldn't accept that yet. I had put, you know, I had a four year business degree um, mm-hmm. in the business honors program at Texas A and M. Like I couldn't just drop it, especially yeah. because it had only been nine months, and mm-hmm. yeah. it had been a long nine months. I felt every yeah. hour. It was nine cool. months, <laughs> but it still I knew this has only been nine months. So much could change and just a very small amount of time. So I started looking around and there was an opportunity that I knew of from a friend um, to like join in with this private equity firm that had just bought it. it and I, they had just made an acquisition in Austin um, and they were looking to flip it around and they needed somebody to help do that be on the like boots on the ground. Yes. Um, and I was like, Hey, I can probably do that for you. So yep. I tried it out and it was, it gave me, the reason I thought it was a good opportunity mm-hmm. was because it kept me in the business track that I wasn't ready to let go of. Mm-hmm. Also gave me a few broader experiences because it was such a small company. Very broad. Yeah, experience. I ended up doing all kinds of things. Um, I didn't even know what my title was most of the time because no. I was my hands were in so many different buckets. Yeah. But um, it, it was strategic in the sense that it was still giving me what i was looking for in consulting which was trying to figure out what i wanted to do mm-hmm. right like i still needed yeah. more information i was still trying to build my experience up enough to figure out what was out there mm-hmm. um, because there's just so much like yeah. there are so many jobs i didn't even know existed and that i still don't know yeah we still exist, don't know right no. i was talking <laughs> to somebody at lunch 2 days ago and he was like does 35-year-old Megan want? And I was like, you know, I can tell you that I'm really general words (laughs) right now, but I can't, I'm not going to commit to one specific job at 35-year-old Megan because... There's so That's dumb many. Yeah. yeah
0: the five-year plan the 10-year plan that we heard so much about whenever speakers would come into our classes in our organization it'd be like you know what you need you need a five-year plan and you know my favorite response that I ever heard to this it's uh, Jenny DiDonato mm-hmm. our mutual friend um, if you ever hear this this like rocked my world she said you know what I say whenever people ask me what I want to be doing in 10 years I say a job that doesn't exist yet like what? Yeah. <laughs> She's incredible. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I relate to that. I know, right? <laughs> um, so, back to you though. I think this, like, that is such an appeal that like I, I need a container to figure out what I want to do. And a lot of people think that container is just education, but it turns out it's not. Like, there's also these first couple jobs where we have to prioritize figuring out, and it's totally okay that to see that the value of those first few jobs is figuring out what you don't like. Yeah. Meanwhile, we're always asking the questions, what do I love? What right. do I like? And I think that we just have to be comfortable that the best data most jobs give us about ourselves is just what we don't like.
1: Yeah. Which is hard yeah, because hard. you sound, you know, somebody asked you about it and the first thoughts that come to your head are all negative. And you're like, Oh, it sounds so depressing. <laughs> is, like, this I, is sad. I, I, is it, how's the job going? And you're like, I hate everything. <laughs> <laughs> and so you like dig super deep to try to find the one positive at least mm-hmm. I do because I hate yeah. being so negative but that you have to like you said you have to realize the value in finding out what you don't like when there are four billion options you know like yeah. you gotta be able to cross them off the list yes um, exactly. it, it's a very valuable tool so yeah yeah
0: So, Q next chapter. (laughs) Like, why do I keep on saying that? Q next level. (laughs) But you were in this like very expanded business role where you like, what all were the things that you did? You did HR stuff. You did finance stuff. You did. I I choose to say I
1: didn't do HR stuff because I was not trained in HR. Okay. I was like onboarding people. Um, I did basic operations. Mm -hmm. I did basic accounting. I like kept the books. There was a lot of, I tried to help with strategy every once in a while, but mm-hmm. there was no time for that. I mean, there was yeah. all kinds of stuff. And there were seven people wow. at this company that oh my did really well. So um, it was, I learned every day in that job, mm-hmm. but you know, earlier you asked, how did I know? Yeah. You know, how did I know it was time to switch? Mm-hmm. And Again, first week or so, I knew that job probably wasn't long-term, which was disappointing mm. yeah. because I was like, dang it, I did again. it again. <laughs> um, but it, it turned out being awesome in a way because I had tangible goals at this place. I needed to get us into a new accounting system. I needed to get the operations like they needed some basic processes period there were none and they needed some desperately mm-hmm. they also just like needed someone to help come in so it, it was a small like tech company mm-hmm. and there were seven employees five of which were technical people who mm-hmm. were doing coding maybe a question mark? I don't know exactly what they were doing um the ceo uh-huh. and me and the and project the- manager Oh so, yeah. So like me came in to help the CEOs focused on sales and getting, you know, more customers mm-hmm. in and I'm helping honestly put out fires. Right. Mm-hmm. And just pulling this thing together constantly. And yeah. it gave me so much knowledge. Um, and one of the things that I learned there was I like fighting fires a little really? bit. Like it's, makes me anxious and in that job mm-hmm. I was very anxious and that was that was the sign for me that I need to go I was too anxious I had like you know when people talk about like Sunday scaries or Monday oh, yeah. scaries I don't have that in my job anymore uh, I don't hallelujah I don't yeah I don't go to sleep I mean there was like one night a couple weeks ago where I did go to sleep and I was like one well, day's gonna suck but you know there's only <laughs> Just one or one. two of those Amazing. This, in this past job I was scared I was yeah. scared every Sunday I was scared on my drive to work and and I was scared of a job that's like not life threatening, but I felt like fear. Mm, yeah, that's how I knew I needed to leave. Mm. But I did gain from this that I'm really great yeah. at problem solving, and I'm kind of really great in crisis mode. Yeah, i really you are at, actually. I'm really good at telling people what to do when no one knows what to do. I'm yes. really good at taking action, and so that's that was a great true. thing to learn. <laughs> it was a great thing to learn about myself because. I've now applied that in my new role. So I was able to take this job again, I say like, I don't know, a little over nine months, which cringe, 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 mm-hmm. cringe. It's, it's so little time, but I was able to say, I wrapped this up. I got us to our new accounting system. I got these processes in place here. Would you like to see my binder of all of the processes? Like <laughs> wow. I could present what was accomplished. Okay. And then I also set them up for success. I I knew probably, well, I knew a long time in advance that it wasn't going to be Mm -hmm. long term. And so about three months before I was planning on quitting, I started making sure that whoever was going to fill my shoes could just walk in and do the job. I made sure that they were so incredible set up that somebody could literally just open a binder or open a file and have like a step-by-step of how to do this next. And then I gave them like six weeks notice. Um, and that was, I I think, very gracious. Mm-hmm. In the best oh, it was. Way. Yeah, most people are like two weeks eye out. <laughs> I participated in hiring my replacement. I mean, like wow. I tried to make sure that they, I wasn't just piecing out, mm-hmm. right? I and it's you know I was saying this to you before that it's a hard thing to do, but when I think I think there's two different things that you can see. So. One, for me, it was anxiety, right? I knew I had to leave because I was anxious. That wasn't the right mm-hmm. job for me. I wasn't learning exactly the way that I wanted to. And then the other one is apathy, right? I didn't care. Yeah. I, I, I wanted to care. I wanted to do well. I wanted to put my all into it. But I didn't care about that company. Mm-hmm. And I, at the end of the day, like, I have to. I mm-hmm. personally have to. Yes. And so if you're apathetic or if you're anxious to a point where it is affecting your life, time to move on yeah um and so I you know I I had to do it graciously but I also had to do it because time is of the essence yeah I mean I am 26 now and because I have because I made those quick transitions but also took what I could from them. I, I mm-hmm. took learnings from both of them and applied them to my next step. And now I have yeah. a career that I'm really excited about. Yes. And- Nothing
0: is wasted with the way that, you know, we pretend that we could be all strategic with our whole lives, especially in college, whenever you're optimistic and you're throwing out <laughs> words like strategy and creative problem solving every other minute. Cause you're like, what if our recruiter hears, I want to make sure that they know that I'm a creative problem solver. That doesn't mean anything, but you really did. Once, once you were in a place, however, you felt like you know, even if it was the first week, and you're like, oh, "I actually don't like this." You made sure that nothing was wasted, and you really did handle your exits quite well. And because of that, you could look a recruiter in the eyes and with integrity say that this wasn't because I'm stupid, immature, a flake. Like I, I have things to show for my time there, and. um I have to like really highlight those two points that you made about if you're overly anxious or if you are apathetic then watch out for those indicators Mm -hmm. but here's something beneath that that we could say hey watch out if you're too anxious and it's like taking over your life hey watch out if you don't care um and you can't you feel like you can't apply your full self with all like really give your eight hours to your 10 hours there, like your best shot. Um, but beneath that is you actually have to trust yourself and that's not something that i did honestly yeah. so you have this emotional honesty and this stick to itness to your values that i didn't have for quite some time and so i i do think that's special and so i want to add that like third layer that this does require us to be very honest with how we're feeling and say you know what it's not i am going to say that this is my life and it is not actually acceptable to me To be constantly anxious and losing sleep for what? Yeah. Why?
1: (laughs) To add on to that too, I think it requires an intense level of honesty with yourself. That is hard to get to. That is not an easy thing to do. And that is why, you know, people say that, you, like your success in life is highly dependent upon the partner that you choose. Mm-hmm. And I have a really great partner mm-hmm. and I have a really great partner who said, you're not you oh, right now. Yeah. Um, and we have developed enough trust and I don't think that has to be like a spouse. I think mm-hmm. it can be your network. Like who are the people yeah. you depend on, but do you have people who are going to help you get to that honest mm-hmm. level? Because I don't know that it's always something you can do by yourself. That's so true. I, yeah. you know, I, sometimes it takes Having a person that you really trust say, you suck right now. and I would like you to stop sucking. So Mm -hmm. what do we need to do to make this better? And then that's a wake up call. And sometimes Mm -hmm. not a nice one, Mm -mm. but have someone that you love tell you that. You're like, "Mm, yes, correct. How do we fix this? And then you're very motivated on top of that. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's twofold. It's you,
0: but, but always going to help you get there. Yes, uh, I feel like I always circle back around to quote General Van Alsteen, our uh, a mentor a professor of ours in college, and he said, "Identify your truth tellers." Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, I just really did not have the best, like most tight, deep community whenever I lived in Dallas. And so I felt so alone and it's hard enough to have that emotional honesty with yourself, especially since I was, um, I lacked a lot of confidence. I I was willing to believe that I was crazy faster than I was willing to believe that I knew what I'm talking about Mm -hmm. and I should follow my gut on this, um, And actually, it was General Van Alstine that said, like, this is stupid. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you're you're wasting your time in technology. Like, this is dumb. But anyway, not about me. But I I think that's just such a great point. Like, people listening, if you don't have that person that... Floated into your mind, whatever we said, like your truth tellers, those people that are honest with you, those people that are willing to say, you suck in this job and you could be better and you could feel more free. And I know that there's so much more out there for you, so go do it. Yeah. Um, then start building those people now and like have hope that that's something that you can have.
1: Yeah, and I think it's important to realize too that as you're making these decisions and as you're thinking about, I mean, maybe you've been in a job for three months and you're already plotting your exit plan and if that's you then you should continue plotting and figure out what your next step is but you you have to realize that people say to me and I think there are all different types of personalities mm-hmm. so this one might just apply to me but people say to me all the time like don't make it personal like mm-hmm. you need to you know stick with the goal what are you trying to do here don't make it personal but that doesn't apply to me mm-hmm. because it is personal my work is personal to me I spend eight plus plus most days eight plus days I mean hours in a five-day week at my job and mm-hmm. I care a lot about it so yes. it is personal and when you're quitting it wasn't okay with me to think oh this isn't personal like it's not personal to them I should just quit just let it go like mm-hmm. just leave that doesn't that doesn't work yeah. it is personal this is their company I'm going to potentially be putting them in a bad to sit in a bad place so mm-hmm. how do I make this personal for me so that I can set them up for success. I think that that is, that, that is important. And also you you have to, you can remove it from like a selfish perspective. Like don't think about just you. Like I I think about how great I could have been in my two previous jobs. If I had been putting the energy and thought in like, Passion and fire and all of the words that are really annoying to hear, but (laughs) I love them. (laughs) All of those things that I feel in my current role, if I had been putting those into my two previous jobs, they would have been heartbroken to see me, right? Because I would have been helping their organization so much and every employer deserves to have employees like that. Mm -hmm. So if you're not that employee, then do them a favor and remove yourself from the equation Mm -hmm. gracefully. But yeah do what is right for both sides because they deserve to have great employees just as much as you deserve to have a great working environment. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I think that it, it's important to realize that some people can't take the emotion out of it, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean you can't, you know, remove the selfishness, understand what the other perspective is mm-hmm. so that you are doing right by all parties. Yes.
0: Uh, I think... That's such a good point of service and of hope that, like, you don't have to just accept that work is always going to suck and work is just work and all these platitudes that we throw at ourselves and at others to say, hey, it's not personal, like you're saying. But whenever there's people like us that have fire and passion and want to contribute, like, with a heart of service, but also, of course, we want to enjoy our lives and feel like we're contributing meaningfully through the way that we spend all of our time at work, like, we can allow ourselves to hope and pursue and have aligned action with the reality that you can find a job that you really want to attack with all you've got and so I yeah I, I love the heart of service that you have in that too that like let's go contribute our best at an organization where that's possible um man that's awesome I really like that perspective of like It is personal because people like us, we really care and you don't want me to start acting like things aren't personal because I'm not going to be giving it my best. I'm going to be a drone that clocks in and clocks out and doesn't really care about our business objectives and doesn't contribute and like create things that are interesting and compelling and needed and have ownership.
1: I think about it, you know, I think about work in the evenings, probably way too much, Mm -hmm. but I don't, think about it anymore because I'm anxious mm-hmm. I think about it because like there's this problem that I just know there's an answer yes. to I just haven't found it yet right wow. and so you know I go to bed thinking mm-hmm. how are we gonna fix this man this is a real problem <laughs> and I'm thinking about it but it's just because my brain is active right yes. and mm-hmm. I know that as I build out a team mm-hmm. and as I move up I don't want people to be miserable on my team mm-hmm. but I would love people who are so committed to solving our even the tiny problems because mm-hmm. it makes a big difference yeah. and you know when i wake up and i'm in the shower and i'm like yes i got it i got it <laughs> you know i go to work and i'm like uh, i thought of this in the shower this morning and they're like you was so weird but hey you know it's yeah. it's just it's exciting and yeah. that every, everybody deserves that so. yeah
0: mm. i just To circle back on this point, it's really getting to be loud and clear to me now that we live in this culture and this society that work and our work culture demands so much out of us. And all these companies are like, you know what we want? We want rock stars that take ownership, but they don't want us to be entitled about wanting a sense of purpose that would actually fuel that sense of ownership and that sense of excellence and that commitment that would cause us to be that type of employee
1: yeah I think it it's such a uh, it brings me to like the millennial stereotype yeah right? here we hate. go hey <laughs> it makes me so mad I hate it when people talk about millennials in a negative way because I
0: know that I am awesome and I know that <laughs> that is the millennial stereotype yeah you but, sound
1: like a millennial but I I will say that I know that people get annoyed by some of the the changes in the working environment that are coming with our generation, moving up into it. Mm -hmm. However, I have to say that I started this new role. I showed humility by when I found my current job, Mm -hmm. I took a step down. I took a pay cut and Mm -hmm. my title is arguably less impressive. Mm -hmm. Um, so I showed humility in that way Mm -hmm. but I came in and I worked my butt off yes and they saw it Mm -hmm. and when they saw that the conversation changed to my boss asking me what do you need to stay here what do you need to stay on this team long term wow and that opened up conversations for you know if a flexible schedule is something you need or like all of these things that millennials ask for mm-hmm. that opened up that conversation, but I did have to prove myself first. Yeah. And I do think that's important, yeah. I think that a lot of millennials do that, but there are enough that don't, then mm-hmm. it gets a bad rap. Yeah. But you, you do have to, it is a give and take, and you should always plan on giving first, yes. right? You should always plan mm-hmm. on showing up and showing that you can do the job and do the job well and that you deserve. Mm-hmm. for them to invest in you
0: yeah. fully. Yeah, because you're first contributing before you're asking.
1: Yeah. Yes. Okay,
0: I I should have skipped back a little bit to say, how did you <laughs> decide on this job that you now approach with such vigor and excellence and you've made like three promotions up into the company or something yeah. like that?
1: I am, um, so those, the, I just started thinking about what, I care about right Mm -hmm. it goes back to anxiety and apathy right and I didn't care Mm -hmm. about the work that was being done I cared that it was done well but I didn't wasn't pumped up about this software um so I started thinking about what I care about and I care one I know I thrive at solving problems Mm -hmm. I really like it when stuff goes wrong and I'm the one who fixes it, that I get so much freaking joy out of doing that. God bless you, Megan. It's dumb. (laughs) It's dumb. And then I also know that there is nothing that makes me more angry than the idea of people being limited because their educational opportunities are less than what other children might have and it's completely out of their control because they are zoned to a school that is f-rated and that is not something that is within a seven-year-old's control but it will permanently affect the rest of their life and that that is something that drives me so it was pretty easy like as as I continued reading these articles and finding these books and getting really pumped up about people talking about education and politics I was like mm. Mm. care. I care about this. How do I fix this? So I, I mean, I started looking at organizations in Austin. and Thankfully, there's a lot of them. Mm. And it's interesting because I never saw myself as a teacher. I still don't see myself as a teacher. I don't think I would be a good teacher. Mm. Um, but there's so many other ways to be involved in education, mm. to be impacting that work. And I found it through this mm. nonprofit that I now work at. And um, <laughs> it took me a while to get in touch with them. I was my, my, our chief advancement officer told me after my interview that I was relentless. Um, I prefer the word persistence. I was not going to let them ignore me. I emailed so many people. I called so many people. I got a coffee date finally that turned into an interview that turned into me getting a job that was a step down. I took a pay cut and thankfully because Dustin and I had been so strategic and we, you know, didn't have a house. We didn't have commitments in in a large way. I was able to do that. We were flexible enough Mm -hmm. to do that. And then within eight months, I got promoted and then I got promoted again this June and I am hopefully on track to get another promotion. So it's, it is. I think that's just a testament to the fact that, I care so much. Right. And Mm -hmm. I am so energized. And honestly, the past couple months at work have been hard. We've had Mm -hmm. some team struggles. We've been low on staff. I've had to pick up a lot of things Mm -hmm. and I've been working my butt off and there have been nights when I have come home and been just so not wanting to go back to work the next day because Mm -hmm. I'm tired. Yeah. But after I have a weekend and you know, I recoup and rejuvenate, I'm still really pumped to go to my job and I still really want to solve the problems that we are solving. And I love being thrown into the fire Mm -hmm. and having our chief advancement officer and my VP look at me and go, Megan, we know you can do this. Take care of it. And I do. And then I come back and they like, don't even notice all the small details because they were that seamless. Yes. I love it. (laughs) It's awesome and I have had so much opportunity for growth Mm -hmm. obviously and they talk to me now like what do you want to do to stay yeah now I can have that conversation yeah I want to keep growing how can I keep growing and it's it's so worth the tough transitions that I made Mm -hmm. but again when they were interviewing me I was able to address those and I addressed them personally too right I didn't Mm -hmm. say You know, oh, well, I had a boss I didn't like, or the organization didn't serve me well. Mm -hmm. I didn't put it on the organization. I said, I need to just move to Austin. I know that I am not on the track that I want to be on, and I need to change that track. And here's how I know I need to change that. I am passionate about this, this, and this. (gasps) And I accomplished this in Mm -hmm. other roles. I can apply that here in this way. Mm -hmm. And I made it about me. And I think that that, you stated it all in the positive of what you want to contribute. Exactly. And I think. That, that is well received, right? Yeah. I know that when I'm looking at resumes, which I do a lot now, job hoppers is something I look out for, right? I don't mm-hmm. want somebody who's just looking for the next job. But if somebody can tell me, I'm looking at this job right now because of, and they have a really solid reason, I'm like, oh, wow, your self awareness mm-hmm. is something I appreciate. And yeah, come on, the team. Ah, but yes. I, I don't that has to be there, mm-hmm. right? And there's there's a lot that goes into that. So, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Okay, uh, there's two things I want to address. One, uh, you're already throwing out some really, really helpful details that I hope that job seekers are picking up on that will extrapolate a little bit more. But one detail I want to ask about is that you work for a nonprofit mm-hmm. and you were asking yourself as most would, okay, I want to care about what I do. What do I care about? all right, happens to align with a nonprofit, shocker. That's what a lot of purpose-driven millennials um, will find themselves seeking after. But nonprofits aren't always the answer. And a whole, like, just because you're attracted to the mission of the entire organization doesn't mean that you are going to feel fulfilled about contributing to that if you're doing accounting or administrative tasks whenever you don't want to be doing that. And so actually I had a whole podcast addressing this about the anti-passion movement that has been on the rise of like, don't follow your passion, just follow what you're good at and your success will create passion. Your passion will not create success. And I really, I disagree with a lot of points about that. And I won't go into detail about that, but you actually are a case in which just seemingly from the information you presented, you cared about what the organization cared about. But then, so you got into this nonprofit, but now you actually feel like you're meaningfully contributing. So what parts of that, how did that work? Is it like the tasks you enjoy? How do you stay connected to the mission? Is it just something that the organization does well? Sorry, these are super big questions, but I just... My posture is generally, I I actually, I ask people to proceed with caution if they think automatically, if I want purpose, I need to ditch my consulting job and go into a nonprofit.
1: Yeah, I disagree with that a yeah. lot, actually. Because I, so in terms of, so going to the point where you talked about following things that you're good at mm-hmm. so i also did that here yes um something that i have always been good at is this operational side of me i am really good at putting a plan together mm-hmm. and getting people moving this to is make true. something happen yeah
0: even and friend vacations yeah. <laughs> you always do this
1: <laughs> i and that is not a skill that everybody has mm-hmm. it is very easy for me to take a big picture it into small pieces and that is exciting to me Mm -hmm. so I found a job in a team where I would be able to do that as well I also could have joined this organization on the accounting team and I probably would have been miserable so there it is like multifaceted Mm -hmm. however not all people are cause driven the way that I am there Mm -hmm. are other people that I have we have a great a best friend who is mm-hmm. in consulting, yeah. and she is getting to do the things that are giving her growth opportunities, and the growth opportunities are what is motivating yeah. for her, uh-huh. and she's doing a great job. Mm-hmm. So it's not to dip to like diss on consulting yeah, at no. all. You have to do what is caring <laughs> doesn't necessarily mean the topic or the business. It means what do you care about doing in mm-hmm. a given day? Yeah, and. I you know, was blessed to find an opportunity where I got to merge two mm-hmm. things. One is education. But to be honest, I don't touch education yeah.
0: most days, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not
1: on our curriculum team. I'm not in the classroom most days. Mm-hmm. So the work that I'm doing is several steps, like several steps of separation away yes. from the students we are impacting. Mm-hmm. But... That's okay with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I can still see the way it pushes the whole ship forward. Um, but I, I think that it is important for... I, I also agree that just jumping to a nonprofit is not the answer, mm-hmm. right? Not The world isn't made of nonprofits. No. And not everybody can work for one. No. Nope. And I wouldn't even say that I would be a nonprofit forever. I, yeah. I might not. I might... I don't know, go back to school and do another type of problem-solving role at a major corporation. I don't know. And I'm not going to commit to that right now because I also know- how What's your five things, year plan? <laughs> yeah, right? How, how quickly things change. But I think that it, it is about finding what you care about in a given day. And if that, if you can care about going to work and care about doing that work, it could just be you care about working on a really great team. So if you find a really great team and you care about contributing to it, then it might not matter what, yeah. you know, maybe you work for PepsiCo and y'all your team is in charge of Pepsi bottling or something. <laughs> I don't know. Like making sure that the supply chain cost on Pepsi bottling is low. If you have a great team. then <laughs> If maybe, I did my major in college, that's what I would be doing right now. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, if you have, if you have a great team, then maybe you really enjoy that or maybe you're excited by finding how to shave two cents off of that process and if you are excited about that then oh my gosh pepsi needs you right yeah, like yeah. they need to figure this out as and mm-hmm. continue to change it every day as they are a huge company i mean there's all different types of jobs you just have to find what yeah. keeps you going
0: mm-hmm.
1: and be honest with yourself about yeah. what that is because i think that quitting too quickly is dangerous, right? Yeah. There are risks. There are also risks of, for staying too long. Oh yeah. So, and yeah. I think they're equally as great. So mm.
0: yeah, I, I am here for that point. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, okay. About the details. I'm eager to ask you, you touched on this a little bit, but specifically if someone has hopped around a little bit,
1: yeah,
0: how do you address that? Is it in a point on your resume? Like last bullet, like I, I left because of this, or do you just do that in the cover letter? But you're like, actually most recruiters don't even look at cover letters. It's just to check that someone did the care to actually write one. Right. Uh, well, I don't know if that's your experience. It's just like statistically. It's kind of okay. So <laughs> then where do we address short stints so that you aren't automatically disqualified which is the headline fear mm-hmm. in quitting fast
1: and it's a legitimate fear mm-hmm. right i review resumes a lot and as soon as i see someone has like three different mm-hmm. jobs on the top of their resume all with really short time periods mm-hmm. i'm like hmm head mm-hmm. Flag. Mm-hmm. but that i so i don't actually think you address in writing your reason for leaving and mm-hmm. this is just my opinion. I think how you address it in writing beforehand so that you can get your foot in the door mm-hmm. is by, in writing, showing what you accomplished. How big and how can you quantify those mm-hmm. accomplishments? Um, because people are really bad at resumes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, it, they're, it, it's hard. They're hard. Uh-huh. But people fall into this trap of, you know, using fancy language. Mm-hmm. And um, that comes out of consulting. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they will write a whole sentence about what they did that means absolutely nothing uh-huh. um and I don't care about your big fancy words mm-hmm. I care about what you did yeah. what did you do that is going to give you the experience to come here and do well for me mm-hmm. um, and my team and my organization and so I-, I think that the best way to make sure that you aren't just thrown out when your resume comes across the table is to make sure your resume is good. Like yeah. we I already talked about how you don't leave until you've accomplished your goals. Mm-hmm. So make sure people can see what those goals were and yeah. what you did to achieve them. And if mm-hmm. that means you have four or five bullet points and you're scared it's getting too long. Well, honestly, I would rather have some, someone have four or five bullet points and tell me what they did mm-hmm. than give me flowery language that means nothing yeah. and show me that they've been in three places because then I'm putting it in the
0: Oh okay that that's such a good point. So if I would if we can I'd love to pull this into an example cuz that really helps solidify learning. So like flowery language example A that uh, you might want to run off with your own example, but one thing I'm thinking of is like ensure the quality of our I don't know, quality assurance team, first of all, that sounds stupid, but that's probably someone would actually, someone might actually write that, Uh, but, like, what does that mean instead of led a team of four to deliver a, um, like, custom development project on time, on budget, or something like that?
1: And I think, also, this applied to me, but it might not apply to everybody, but it applied to me because I was switching industries too Mm -hmm. so not only do you need to stay away from that flowery language and make sure you can quantify and like just tell what you did Mm -hmm. you also need to make sure that it is written broadly enough that it can it looks transferable right because all of your skills are transferable Uh you can learn something from all of your skills that you can bring somewhere else but people can't see that unless you give them the ability to see it. So you need to write it. You know, if you had a really really tech-focused job in the next industry that you're going to, maybe isn't going to be as tech-focused, then figure out what it was on those tech projects that you want to highlight that is applicable to that new place. That means that your resume that you deliver to this place might be different yes. than the one you deliver to the next place. Mm-hmm. You've got to be specific mm-hmm. and and show them. Don't don't assume they can figure it out themselves. Mm-hmm. Show them. Yeah. Don't assume anything. And so mm-hmm. I think that 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 is how you address it in the resume stage. And then mm-hmm. when you get to the interview, then you talk about why the change was personal to you, what you learned for yourself, and how you can bring that and really impact mm-hmm. this new organization. Well, I don't think you I don't think you address your transition in writing. Mm-hmm. Anywhere before I
0: know. Quickly, wait one thing you mentioned about the resume made me think, like of course we hear all the time. Tailor your resume to the job you want. First, I love the belief that you have behind what you said of your skills are transferable because oftentimes we have just such an enormous limiting belief about transferring industries or changing making a big career pivot is gonna be so hard. Holy cow, how specialized do you think you are in that business analyst role? Like, let's get real. <laughs> um, like, it just communicates those well. Um, and so I think that we hear it a lot. Yeah, customize your resume or whatever materials you're sending over to be specialized to the job you want. But how do you know what to say? Do you? How, do you have any specific advice on that like do you set up informational interviews do you just like do a lot of research on like what the objectives of the organization
1: are or I think it can go two ways I think doing a lot of research and talking to the people that you're hoping to apply with I think making sure that you understand what you're applying for is important so that you can speak to things that are going to be relevant to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think, though, I don't, I don't want to like put my name behind being broad, but there are skills that are appreciated in every organization. Yeah. Leadership is one of them, and that one's a really hard one to write about, mm-hmm. um, but to be able to speak to leading a team or leading a project. And talking about very specific things that you did and you were you assumed responsibility for, mm-hmm. those those skills are broad and transferable to any organization. And so talking about those, like mm-hmm. leadership, responsibility, timeliness, I mean, there yeah. those are all really basic things, mm-hmm. but oh my gosh, they are the ones, the <laughs> right? Are, yeah. You can teach anybody technical skills Uh you cannot change leadership you cannot change someone's ability to assume responsibility for things Mm -hmm. you cannot change someone's ability to like under to try and understand the perspective of the team Mm -hmm. if someone is very like self-centered that you might not change that so there are there are things that you can emphasize and show about your personality your work ethic your ability to work on a team that I think Honestly,
0: those are the ones I'm looking for. Oh, okay, I'm thinking very detailed. Uh, but I just think that that's honestly what's most helpful to a job seeker that's in a potentially insecure time with like so much information swirling around in their head. So I'm thinking um, about the way like I've recently helped people revise a couple of resumes so this is fresh on the brain. Um, whenever you're talking about those things like leadership, timeliness, uh, ownership, all that stuff – um, are you incorporating that as best as you can into bullets under your experience for certain job roles, or have you experimented with like a skills section where you don't just say communication? You say, like, I have, uh, the people I work with, like write out, what does that mean? Let's put some qualifiers, like what kind of communication are you direct? Are you efficient? Are you, um, I don't know, consistent? You always like reply really fast or
1: yeah, what is it? Um, that's a really great question i I don't know how I feel about the skills section. I am probably biased because I work in an organization that is super goal oriented mm-hmm. and by meaning being super goal oriented, that means we are also very data driven, which means we are also very quantity driven. Mm-hmm. yeah, so i I think that when you can quantify things, that is what stands out to me, which doesn't necessarily mean a skills section, but it could. Mm-hmm. I think that. For the communication example, right? Something that I would find interesting is knowing that somebody led a long term project and effectively communicated across six team members and three departmental or like departments within the organization Mm -hmm. efficiently to ensure project deliverables remained on time, Mm -hmm. right? Because communication is probably one of I, the biggest barriers to success in an organization, I, I would just like to see examples. Like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Not just the descriptive words, yeah. but what does it mean? What does that mean? What did it enable you to do? If you are a direct communicator or mm-hmm. if you are an efficient communicator, How does what that benefit evidence do you have yeah. that that is beneficial to the organization? Oh, and yeah. you might not be able to say, well, it raised... Or, you know, I got us such and such millions in revenue or whatever. Like, you probably can't connect it to that, but you can. In that
0: business analyst
1: role. (laughs) Right. You can show an example. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if I know that you facilitated communication across six people, that's hard. You know, that's hard. People don't communicate naturally well. Mm -hmm. And if you do it across six people and remain on time, like, you don't miss a single deliverable, okay, you probably did something right. Mm -hmm. You know? Yes. Ugh.
0: I really dig these. Okay, such incredible points. I would love to wrap up hearing your pitch for like the benefits. Sorry, that's like a big thing. Give us a strong closing statement. (laughs) That's like something our mentor would say. Um, But like, can you just talk about like the downright benefits of choosing to leave with intention, even if it's fast? Because, like, it's not all bad. And it's not like we're just giving you all these strategies in this podcast to make sure that you don't disqualify yourself if you do decide to quit fast. All of those are posted in the negative. Totally fine. Very helpful. But there's some real benefits and advantages that you have felt in your life and in your career because you decided to make these tough decisions and handle them well and now, look, you're 26, you are in an organization that you actually care about, you're so fired up up about what you're doing, and you've advanced quickly.
1: Yeah, I, you know, like you said, the risks are there, and they don't go away, Um, but the positives, I think, outweigh them, and in the right situation, and the first one I think about, the benefit, the best benefit that has come from me switching jobs and getting to a one that really works for me mm-hmm. is that <laughs> I'm married to my husband. Yeah. You know, he doesn't hate me because yeah. for a while I wasn't a fun person to be around. Mm-hmm. And that is important. And mm-hmm. I, I want to be the be- best version of myself, not just in my role, but in my life. Mm-hmm. and. You can't do that if Mm -hmm. 45 plus hours of your week are miserable and then making the rest of them miserable too yeah um so i I just really think that the biggest benefit is that i have a strong marriage that i haven't ruined because i was too scared to take a step Mm -hmm. um i also think (laughs) this is a really intangible one but I have a lot of pride in myself and yeah. that leads to confidence that I needed. Um, yes. Yeah. And I am not, I by no means did everything correctly because I didn't there. Mm-hmm. my I think about my exit interview at my first job and it just makes me a little sick because <laughs> we could have done so much better and handled that so much more tactfully. But I think like making these transitions learning from them mm-hmm. and then getting to a step that is above the place I was last time. Right. Like I am constantly moving forward, being able to look back and see mm-hmm. that progression is a big deal to me. Yeah. Um, and, and valuing that progress, even though, you know, I'm I not a 26 year old CEO and that is okay. <laughs> In my mind you are. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but I like the being able to, see the progress Mm -hmm. is a big deal to me Mm -hmm. and then I I mean I the third thing that I would say I'll I'll just do three is that I say this transition say this last transition hadn't been the one either like what if Uh I didn't make it what if time number three was still not a good job Mm -hmm. I would still need to keep moving. And the reason why is because if I didn't, it would just suck. Mm-hmm. Right? And I'm not okay with that. Yeah. I'm not okay with just sitting in this place of being so not content that I'm unhappy. And right now, I am in a place where I'm really happy. And I'm, I don't know that this job is forever. In mm-hmm. fact, it probably isn't. I, it's hard to think that I would be here until I... I don't even know if I'll retire. So whatever, but (laughs) you'll never
0: retire. (laughs) You and me will be co-working when we're 80. (laughs) I will. I think I would be
1: so bored. Um, But I just think that I'm so happy to be on a team with really great people. And every day is not perfect. In fact, like I said, there have been weeks lately that have been terrible. I mean, terrible. i cried at work twice (laughs) in the past month and that is not okay I don't like crying at work but I just I you know it I still want to go back every day Mm -hmm. except for the days when I'm taking off which are like really great I like PTO but I it's important it is important to keep moving and keep making changes and keep adjusting until you got it right Mm -hmm. and and that is that is a mantra that I have right there's always a solution there's always a better way Excellence is one of my values, and mm-hmm. I will never be there. So, I'm going to keep going until, honestly, until that day, right? Yeah. And yeah. keep making things better. Yeah, you always Keep cool. evolving, keep growing. And that is what is going to make me happy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I don't know if that really answered your question. Yes, now, but... it did.
0: I am so motivated. I'm ready to go, like, seize the day. <laughs> um, but I, I just think that this is all, like, guys, look at the fruits of Megan. <laughs> you, I'm going to talk to you because I don't want to talk to the mic. I'm talking to my friend. Um, (laughs) You choosing to spend your energy in such a way where you're focused on progress, you're focused on growth. So you could say, I am dang proud of myself right now. Instead of choosing to spend all of your energy, managing your life, managing your emotions, manipulating your mental state. So you're okay with a life you hate. (laughs) Yeah, Like that was something that I so felt like, until I just got over that game well it's like, not
1: possible right you no. can only do that for so long no
0: um and so yeah well there is a very very strong case for not just looking at your values and then deciding to make tough decisions whenever needed to follow them um but then like look at all that that has brought and yeah
1: anyway it wasn't easy but it was worth it
0: wasn't easy, but it was worth it. What a way to end this incredible episode. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for having me. Oh. oh <laughs> this was the best. Wasn't that incredible? Oh my gosh. I loved this interview. I think it really is so tangibly impactful for all of us who inevitably grapple with when do I quit? How do I quit? How do I um, manage it in such a way in which it isn't seen as an act of self-sabotage in your career, but rather you could use it to your advancement and advantage. Um, So I would love to hear how this information impacted you. So please reach out. DM me on Instagram at Kelsey underscore be career. And also I would be so grateful if you left a review. Seriously, guys, it really, really matters. I know that you hear that on every podcast you listen to, but now that I'm a podcaster, I'm like the most compassionate review weaver of all time on all the shows I listen to. So, uh, I would love it if you, uh, tapped on those stars. It's just like one little, you know, quick hit, You could leave a five-star review or whatever you think. Um, And then write a couple of words to say how this show and the information that we work hard to produce for you each week has impacted you um, and why you would recommend it to a friend. Uh, Thank you so much in advance for doing that. I can't wait to read what you say. And I hope that you have an awesome, empowered week.